Welcome to the OA Light a Candle meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Katie. Hi everyone, Katie, compulsive overeater. Oh my gosh, my heart is pounding, but like in a really good way because I'm seeing so many familiar faces and I just love you all so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Um, I do just wanna like take a second to uh, just acknowledge those in and out of the rooms um, who are still suffering and just ask uh, my higher power to help me speak my truth today. And hopefully I will say something that will help someone else. Um, and if you don't hear anything that resonates with you, keep coming back, try six different meetings before deciding if OA is right for you. Okay. And the reason why I like to do that, uh, to just take a moment is because I love the idea of like knowing that you all were praying for me long before I came into these rooms. That really just brings a lot of warmth into my heart to know that you all were praying for me to find these rooms and to find recovery and to find a relationship with my higher power. And it's uh, it's been a lifetime leading up to it. And um, I'm happy to share that I have three years and eight months of abstinence from binging compulsive dieting. Um, I don't order delivery food when I'm by myself. Like there's a couple other things that I've included in my abstinence, but you know, at the heart of it, um, I would say I'm like a 75% compulsive overeater and then 25% like restrictor and damage control, you know, using exercise in a way that wasn't, um, uh, serving me. So to know that I have three plus concrete years of not engaging in those behaviors is just an absolute miracle. And I'm just so grateful to be here and to speak and congratulations Alejandra for 90 days. I love you so much. I'm so proud of you and Kiko for nine months. That is wonderful. I remember when you first came in. So I'm so happy that you're back and uh, congratulations. Just keep it up. Keep coming back. Um, and today, something that I've heard in the rooms that I just love is uh, the I am affirmation that I am committed to a loving relationship with food and my body. And uh, I'll just get into what it was like. Um, typically, we the way that we share is what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now um, for those who might not be familiar with the rooms. Um, so what it was like was that I think I was... Uh, I think I had it in me from the get-go. My mom uh, used pregnancy as a carte blanche, eat whatever you want. She gained 70 pounds when she was pregnant with me. So I came out a big baby and I came out with a big appetite. And um, my first ever binge buddy was my grandfather. I called him Poppy. Um, he had diabetes and he and I would sneak off and eat sugar together. And my Nana would always scold him. And, you know, that was our secret thing. And, and I was his first uh, grandchild and he loved me and I was obsessed with him. And the way that I understood love and marriage was like, if you love someone, you marry them. And so as like a four year old, I would say, I'm going to marry Poppy. Like, that's how obsessed I was with him. And I think it really had to do with the fact that he would feed me and let me eat whatever I wanted. <laughs> 
And there's one uh, memory that I have in particular where uh, he took me to the diner. I'm from Jersey, so represents all these East Coast people in the room tonight. And uh, he took me to the diner and I remember being like, I'm not ordering off the kids menu today. I'm ordering off the adults menu. And he said, okay, get whatever you want. And I got a big ice cream sundae and I ate all of it. And I threw up because it was too much for a little kid, but I just wanted to take in that love. Like food was love. And honestly, I still see it as love today, just in a different way. I think it's in like a much healthier way. I still really, really love cooking and preparing meals for you know my loved ones. And I'm really grateful that I can be around food now and be functioning and actually be present and not be like totally distracted by it. So um, another thing that I think like happened in my childhood or another thing that happened in my childhood that I think affected my idea of like body image and what it meant to be an overweight person in this world was uh, my aunt got the gastric bypass surgery. And this isn't to like scare anyone, you know, who's considering getting it because I completely understand it's a very viable option for some people and it can change lives for sure. Um, but she got it and she had complications from it and she ended up passing away from sepsis as you know, a result of the surgery. And I was 13 at the time and I was really close with her. And, you know, I wonder now if she ever knew about the rooms, you know, like if anyone had ever even said, why don't you try OA? Because I know she had certainly tried different diets and I know she expressed to me that, you know, she always kind of felt like the odd one out because um, she was like dark haired Italian and like just this big, boisterous, wonderful woman. And she was amongst all these other like housewives in Connecticut that were like, you know, stick thin and blonde and pretty and like had their their everything, you know, all their ducks in a row. And, um, you know, hearing or watching her literally go to any lengths to be thin and then you know ultimately paying the price and she had two young kids that were seven and nine my two cousins um you know when she passed away on christmas day and it was really traumatizing i think like as a child i didn't really understand the full scope of like what that did to me and like how i understood you know body image at the time but you know i'm able to look back on that now and both Poppy and Lisa are in heaven. So I know that they're looking down on me and they're really proud of the progress that I've made today. Um, I also just like remember um, as, as a teen and in college, um, it became sort of part of my identity that I was always going to be the friend that said yes to food. So like whenever my other friends wanted to go get Taco Bell or go get, you know, something naughty, they knew to ask me because I would always say yes. And I was like enabling their bad behaviors. And then I just got to a point where like, I never said no. And the idea of like, say yes, and you'll figure it out later. I literally had like a poster of that in my dorm room in college that caught up with me. Me. I said yes too many times to Wendy's and like didn't figure it out later. <laughs> and uh, ultimately I got up to my highest weight when um, I graduated college and uh, I was pushing 300 pounds and I was just really physically uncomfortable. I was a campus tour guide. And when I would give tours to families, I would be winded. Like I wouldn't be able to talk and walk at the same time. I had to shop at, you know, plus size clothing stores. And like, that was a whole thing, you know, being like a young girl and wanting to shop you know, where my friends are shopping, but not being able to because they don't carry my size, um, you know, and just the the act of how food was a, a source of comfort and consistency and familiarity. Like there was something very comforting knowing that I could go anywhere in the world and get a Big Mac and it would taste the same no matter where I am in the world. And it was like 
I, I wrote about this recently, how whatever it was that I was going through, I would eat to the point of being so physically uncomfortable that that was then the forefront of my mind and whatever it was that was initially causing, you know, the distress was no longer in my mind because I was just focused on how uncomfortably full I felt. And then what came after that was the compulsive dieting and the obsession with counting calories and, you know, the, the damage control, like the day after a binge I would be like, well, I'm never doing that again. And then, you know, I would, I would get, you know, okay. Like I would write out all my meals for the week and I would, you know, plan out my workouts and inevitably I would fall back into this routine. And that's something that I've learned in this program is that every binge um, or every restriction, sorry, every restriction inevitably led to a binge because whenever I'm like, you know, going from one extreme to the next, that would come um, with it. And I just remember, like, I never really binged in front of other people um, because I cared too much about what other people thought. And I just remember, like, like, you know, like when an HBO show starts and it's like, ah, like that was my happy place. The curtains were closed. I would get, um, I had, I really used and abused all of the delivery services that they have, you know, Postmates, DoorDash, all of that. And to the point where I ran up a ton of credit card debt. Um, and I'm sure if you were to break it down and look at, you know, what exactly it was I was spending all my money on, the majority of it was food, groceries, takeout, delivery, just my disease, really, you know, things that I didn't need. I didn't buy a jet ski or anything. Like there wasn't like one big purchase that like ran up the credit card. All this, it was just all of the little, little nuances of the disease. And uh, so in terms of, you know, binging in front of people, when I had a roommate, um, I would binge in the car, like I would go to a drive through and get the food, eat my food in the car and then throw out the wrappers in the dumpster before I even came back into my apartment because I didn't want him to see what I had done. I didn't want there to be any evidence. And I, it was really like living a double life. It was like, I was always thinking about like when the next time what was, was going to be that I could eat or that I could binge or like I'd get a plate, it would you know, I'd be at a restaurant and it would be put down in front of me and I'd look at it without even eating it and be like, that's not going to be enough. And thinking about like, okay, well then when this is done, then I'm going to go get more food. And it was just exhausting. Like, I really don't know how I managed to keep up with like school and friends and then eventually work and stuff, you know, while having this constant running ticker in my mind, just always thinking about food. And then of course the body image stuff. I mean, I'll get into this later as far as like, you know, what it's like now, but what I'll say is that the body image is still very much a thing. Like I still have to work on that, you know, even three years in, like I still, you know, am asking God's help for that. But, um, but back then, like when I was, you know, really heavy, I just felt so undesirable. I felt uh, like I had to overcompensate um, for my fatness. Like I felt like I had to be extra funny, extra smart, extra charismatic, really go above and beyond so that people would, they might judge me at first, but then once they get to know me, they realize that I'm really wonderful and that like, I'm not to be afraid of, you know, just because I'm heavy. Like, I know that some of it is truly the disease and it's like, no one's thinking about you nearly as much as you're thinking about you. But but I also can recognize that like society, you know, like that's a, that's a societal thing that like we as a society, I think have a lot of like fat phobia and like, you know, just there's a lot of shame in being, you know, overweight or being in a bigger body. So I think like 
the root of a lot of my um, behaviors was rooted in scarcity. And that's kind of a concept that I've been exploring lately is like the idea of scarcity versus abundance, because right now I can for sure say my life is in abundance, like just bigger and better than I ever could have dreamed of. And it's such a gift and thinking about when I was just like nickel and diming myself and like, you know, really like, you know, being willing to spend money on food, but not being willing to spend money on like new body wash or something that like I need, you know, deodorant, like basic human needs that I wasn't taking care of myself um, because I was too busy, like worrying about everyone else and, you know, worrying about what people thought of me. And that is just like not the case today, which is just incredible. So Basically, when I got to my top weight um, in college, I realized it was high time for a diet. It was like, okay, like this is the heaviest I've ever been. I'm physically uncomfortable. Um, those those of you with uh, thunder thighs over here, the chub rub when I would wear shorts, like it was awful. Like it was really like a very painful, embarrassing existence. And I knew that something had to change. So in the summer after I graduated, um, I decided to try out a plant-based diet. And so I went vegan um, with my best friend and it was a really, really good thing for me. Like I dropped a lot of weight um, in the first two years. So it was slow too. That was the thing is it wasn't like drastic, like, you know, dropping a ton in a short period of time. The first two years of being vegan, I lost 85 pounds. And so it was a really positive thing for me because my hair got shinier, my skin cleared up. Like I was able to exercise more because when I was in such a bigger body, it was like physically really difficult to exercise. So then it had a ripple effect. But the interesting thing is <laughs> once I lost the weight, I thought I was gonna get a boyfriend. I was gonna get the job that I wanted, you know, all of the things and none of that happened. I still had my anxiety. I still had my depression, still was single. Um, and I still had that monkey mind, you know, now sure I'm in a thinner body, but now I'm on Instagram, just looking at pictures of myself. Like, have you ever stalked yourself? Like when you Google yourself and like, see what comes up, I would do that with Instagram that I would look at myself to see like, oh yeah, in this picture, I'm much heavier, but then in this picture I'm smaller or like this angle, whatever. It was just like, it was crazy making. And needless to say, it was because I didn't have a spiritual solution. I had a meal plan that suited my body, but I did not have a lifestyle change. Um, which is really what I needed. I needed it to be like a, a full 360 um, lifestyle change. And so my best friend um, got sober in the beverage program and he was the one to actually tell me about OA. I didn't know it existed. Um, I knew about AA, but I didn't realize that there was a program like it for food. And all it took was one like little gentle, hey, did you know that there's a program like AA, but for food? Like that's all it took was just one time. And I said, no, I, I didn't. And he was like, yeah, you should look it up. Like, you know, if you're curious, because like he knew he could see, I mean, I talked to him about certain things, but I'm sure he, he knew that it was like, you know, when I'm be dodging things and, you know, like quickly throwing away wrappers and stuff. And this is my best friend. And I was like hiding a lot, you know, from him. So I went to my first meeting. There was like four people, God bless them all. I wonder where they all are today. Honestly, there was four of us and um, everyone was like knitting and like they had all been abstinent for like decades. And I was like, where am I? Like, what is this? Like they were talking about feeling neutral around food and I was so not there. Like I was a raw newcomer and I needed to hear what it was like. But thank God there was something in me that just said, try another meeting. Like maybe that one wasn't the best like first impression. Like just, just try another one just to see. 
And my second meeting was a cottage meeting. It was on Wednesday night. And like, there's a thinking back, cause I still have my newcomer packet where everyone writes their name and their phone number. I'm like really good friends with a lot of those people now, like that were at my, like my very like first, even though it was my second meeting. And it's just like, I don't know. It's just so sweet. Like I love getting to see other people grow in this program and like, you know, having other people that are like at the same, um, you know, length of time as me. Cause I think it's obviously fantastic to make outreach calls to people who have more time than me, obviously for obvious reasons. And then newcomers for sure. You always want to welcome the newcomer, but also having like a buddy to link up with that has like around the same amount of time. Um, that really, that really helped me. So it's really awesome that, you know, I have, friends that I've, you know, met literally since day one. And um, it took me just about a month to get abstinent, like a month of like going to meetings, kind of sussing it out. I cried a lot in the first few meetings that I went to because I was like, oh, I actually do belong here. Like there was definitely a part of me that was hoping I wouldn't relate and that I would just, you know, be like, oh no, not for me. Or like, I don't have it as bad as these people. You know, I've never been like, you know, full-blown bulimic or like I've never done, you know, never eaten out of the trash or whatever. But I was focusing more on the differences rather than the similarities. And when I actually opened myself up and listened to what everyone had to say, even the anorexic in the room was sharing something that was my story. It was the same thing. We just did different behaviors. You know, like they say that the food never really was the problem. The food was just a symptom of what was going on underneath. And that, um, you know, has definitely been the case for me, you know, in these rooms. And something that I just really love about, you know, being here is that everyone's abstinence is, abstinence is different. So because we cover the full spectrum of all different types of eating disorders, everyone's abstinence is different. So for me personally, I don't weigh myself anymore. So like, I don't know how, how much weight I've lost in program. I know for sure I would not have been able to keep off the weight that I've lost if it hadn't been for this program. So. I mean, I'm maybe a little bit heavier than my like lowest, lowest weight, but that number doesn't serve me anymore. I know that when I get on the scale, that number is never going to be what I want it to be. <laughs> like, I'm always going to want it to be less than whatever it is. And if it was good, like if I had lost weight, I would go celebrate and eat. Like it didn't make sense, you know, when I was like weighing myself and like going to commercial weight loss programs and stuff, you know, it, it, so if I had lost weight, great. And if I had gained weight, I would be sad and I would eat. Like it just, the number really doesn't serve me. And the other thing that also gives me comfort is knowing that like, I don't have that number on my forehead. No one knows looking at me. They don't know what size clothing I'm wearing. They don't know how much I weigh. So it's like, it doesn't matter. Like that freedom of just like totally letting go of the scale when I moved, like when I was packing up all of my stuff into my new apartment <clears throat> and I didn't bring the scale, I threw it out. It was like, wow, like such a relief because I was a slave to that scale. I would get on it multiple times a day. I would drink water to flush out my system. Like, you know, I would like all day, the day before I would, you know, go in for weigh-in day. And then of course I would binge right after I got weighed in because then that was the furthest point from the next weekly weigh-in. So I was always just, you know, that last supper mentality of like trying to figure out when I could get in my binge and everything. Um, and so, yeah, it took me just about a month to get absent. I got a sponsor who I'm still working with to this very day. I literally like right before this meeting, I was turning over my fourth step for a second time. I've, I've worked all 12 steps and um, now I'm doing it a second time. Um, and it's just such a gift, like working the steps a second time 
has really illuminated um, what I've overcome and what still needs work. So it's funny to see like what came up again the second time around versus um, what no longer is, is really a problem for me anymore. And I'm just so grateful for that. Um, and I was told to get in the middle of the herd. And one of the first things that my sponsor ever, ever said to me was, you never have to be alone again. And that is such a testament to like this being a we program. You're not supposed to do it alone. It was not intended to do this alone. Um, I highly, highly recommend getting a sponsor if you're new. Um, it's so helpful to have a point person in your life who is not going to judge. Um, and just to accept or to receive, you know, when I like turn things over, man, it's just, it's such a gift and it's helped me trust people. Honestly, like it's helped me become a more trusting person because now there's someone in the world who knows everything, every single little detail about me and she still loves me. <laughs> so, uh, that is, is huge. And, you know, getting in the middle of the herd, what that looks like is, you know, being of service, making outreach calls um, and just like becoming a member of this group, like one among many. And I'm, I, I could talk forever about service. I mean, it has been such a game changer for me. At the very least, it gets you to a meeting, right? Like at the very bare minimum, if you know that you're the timer, if I, I'll speak for myself, if I know I'm in the timer and people are counting on me, I'm gonna get my ass to a meeting even if I don't want to. And at the most, it's helped me like stay abstinent. And it's it's the most amazing gift in the world to know that I'm helping other people. And uh, specifically, like I'll, I'll just talk about like the service that I do today. I'm of service at the, at the meeting level. I have two service commitments. Um, and then I also am on the board. I'm the communications chair for the Los Angeles Intergroup. And that has just been like such a gift. You know, it was funny because I, I was working step seven at that time. And step seven, um, you know, as far as asking God to remove our defects, I, I was specifically working on asking God to help me be more patient. And right after I like did that, I, I find that my higher power oftentimes like will give me an immediate opportunity. Okay, you want to be more patient? Here's an opportunity for you to be more patient. And that's when the position on the board opened up and I said, okay, let me join. And that was in February of 2020. So I had no idea what I was about to get myself into. And those of you who know me and who know like what I do, you know, it's I'm I'm, I'm the Zoom girl, like everyone <laughs> messages me when they have questions about Zoom. And so it's just so funny, like knowing that I'd said like, God, please help me be more patient. And God was like, okay, here you go. Here's this, this opportunity. And it was supposed to just be that I was going to work on the 12th stepper, which is our monthly newsletter and, uh, and, and our website, you know, keep our website up to date. And now like there's this amazing spreadsheet where there's like over 60 meetings every week. And, you know, there's a lot of coordination going on as far as sharing Zoom accounts. And I'm really in the thick of it. And it is such a gift to know how my service is helping so many other people around the world. And it makes me really grateful that I came into program in Los Angeles because I'm, I realize now how many people from all over the world come here for recovery because our recovery is so strong and you know, this is where our, our program was founded, you know, here in LA. Um, and I just, I, I feel so fortunate because I don't know, like if I had come into the rooms when I still was in Jersey, I don't know if I would have stayed like, because I needed to hear, I needed to see people my age. I needed to hear my story. I needed to like see it in action. And it, I'm just, I'm, it's 
just been such a huge gift. And I've made really good friends too. And I've learned so much about the traditions and like, I'm so grateful for the traditions too, because that means that, you know, we do not govern. I don't, I don't have any power whatsoever. And like, there's our guidelines, you know, we have those traditions to look to. Um, okay. So I'll talk a little bit more about like what it's like now. Um, <laughs> something, uh, that I was writing about when I was preparing, you know, for, for speaking today was the gift of finding exercise, like a form of exercise that works for me, because obviously, uh, if you like in order to be healthy and to be, you know, a functioning like member of society and, you know, being able to like show up in the world, moving movement, some type of movement is important, um, especially as a compulsive overeater, because that is something that I resisted for a really long time. I hated, hated gym class. Oh my gosh. I would do anything I could to get out of gym class. Cause I, whenever we'd have to run the timed mile, I would always be the very last one. And it was mortifying. It was always so embarrassing. And so anyway, exercise, I never was into sports. So like, I never really had a good relationship with exercise. I always viewed it as something that you did when you overate, you know, like I never saw it as a form of self-love. And I, I found this amazing yoga studio in West Hollywood that I went to for a number of years, at least, at least four years. And then unfortunately they had, it had to close during the pandemic and went out of business because they couldn't afford to pay rent. And it was so sad. And I, but I was able to really honor that space and what it, what it gave me because I connected with my higher power in those morning classes, like no other, like that was where I got abstinent. Like it was during those classes that I would process things on the mat where it was like this moving meditation. And I felt that the room was dark and it was warm, but not too hot. And the music was loud. And it was just like, oh, this is, this is like my higher power, just like giving me a big hug. Like I loved those classes and what it did for me and the community and the friends that I made from that. And, you know, is that, so that's my pitch for finding a form of exercise that works for you. And that, that really makes you feel that way. Like I also, if I'm going to take a spin class, like the music needs to be popping. Like that is such a like motivator for me. Like I love dance classes, like do, you know, finding forms of exercise that are, that's fun for me. I hate running, so I'm not going to run. I don't have to run. There are other things that I can do that, you know, are, are going to be more loving and nourishing for me. Um, I'll tell a quick step nine story because it's my most embarrassing one. And I feel like it'll take the shame away and hopefully make you laugh. Um, so one of my amends that I had to make was to the Ralphs on Bundy and Wilshire. Those of you who are in Santa Monica, Brentwood area, you know it well. And um, because I shoplifted, what did I shoplift? You ask? Oh, it was a tub of vegan cream cheese. That's it. Just that. <laughs> and why I did it, I don't know. It literally was like one morning I went in for a bagel and cream cheese and the cream cheese was like expensive. And I was like, I don't want to pay for this. I'm just going to put the bagel in the bakery bag, put the cream cheese in the bag, go to self-checkout, ring up just the bagel and leave and walk out. And that's what I did. And that was the only time I think, I think, you know, maybe I blocked out like through the trauma, but that was the only time that I ever like stole food from a grocery store and shoplifted. So um, that was obviously like very clear that I needed to make amends for that. And I, I went in and it was during the pandemic. So it was like the masks were a thing that like, it's hard enough. I was hoping that I would get one of the cashiers that like gets it and knows that like, oh, we're in Los Angeles. There's a lot of addicts that come in from making their amends and stuff. Like I, I was hoping that that would be the, the case. Like, oh, I know 
what this is because I've heard people share that that they go into and they're prepared to like give a big speech and they're like I know I, I I get it okay you know like and that was not the case the girl did not know what I was talking about she did not understand what I was trying to do I was like it was talk about humility and humbling. I had to be like, okay, so like five years ago, I came in and I stole something and I'm here to pay for it now. And I have the money. And she was like, well, I can't open the register without like a transaction. So like, you know, like she just was like not getting it. And I was like, okay. Uh, and she, so then she was like, well, can you go get it and I'll ring it up and then like, you know, and then the, the register will open. So I was like, okay, fine. So I had to walk down the aisle, get the cream cheese that I stole, go back to her, have her ring it up, give her the money and then go put it back and leave. And like, I just had to laugh and I kept the return receipt and I have it in my little God box, just like as like a wink from the universe, because like it, it was just like such a funny experience. And like, you know, it, it was more just like, I can't believe that I have to do this, but like, okay. And it came at warning. Thank you so much. It feels so good to like, just know that I am like completely uh, thorough with, with my step work to know that like, even those little things I've, I, you know, touch them all. Um, another thing too, that I want to just touch on is like seeing a nutritionist and how important that was for me. Um, when I came in, my sponsor asked, um, cause I was already vegan at that point. And she said, is there any chance of that changing? Or is that something you definitely want? And I was like, yeah, that I, that feels really good for me. Like morally, ethically environment, everything, like it just feels in alignment. So she said, okay, no problem. I don't have experience, strength and hope being vegan and abstinent. So I'd really love for you to see a nutritionist if that's available to you. And I did, and it was so helpful, so eye-opening, especially being a volume eater. I she What she had me do was um, she had me weigh and measure only for two weeks, just so that I could get an understanding of what a normal portion looks like but not too much to the point where like I'm obsessing over it and just, you know, counting calories and like, you know, leveling it and being like really obsessive with it. So it was a really good reset for me to understand that like carbohydrates are not the devil, you know, you need them and it's good to sprinkle them out throughout the day rather than like carbo loading all of your carbs in the morning. And then you feel lethargic after like no one had ever sat me down to teach me how to eat, not in the context of a diet, you know, like every time that I had, you know, had any talks about like, here's how to eat. It was like, here's how to eat to lose weight quick. It never was here's how to eat and just like maintain a healthy body weight. So um, seeing a nutritionist was super helpful. Um, I'll talk about my sponsee family, which I'm so blessed that I have like almost everybody on tonight that it's like my sponsor, her sponsor, her sponsor, her sponsor, her sponsor, and then my sponsee and her sponsee. So it's like we got the full lineage on tonight and I'm so, so grateful for all of you. And what we do is, um, and I hope please steal this idea because I know I certainly did not come up with it. Um, we do a monthly family meeting where uh, we read from the OA 12 and 12, um, whatever month we're in we read that step. So for example, we're in the seventh month. So we read step seven. And then depending on how many of us are in the meeting that night, we just divide the time up by that many people and, you know, just share about the reading or about what's going on with us. And it's a nice little group. There's 15 of us um, usually at, at most, I think. And uh, it's, it's been really great, especially with Zoom. You know, I'll say my sponsor also is not in LA anymore. She's in Boston. And so like, don't let, you know, the time difference, you know, be a, a deterrent or like, you know, if you find someone who has what you want and you feel like you connect with them, you can make it work. You know, like we just schedule our calls and just, you know, factor in the time difference. And 
willing to go to any lengths, right? You know, so um, I definitely encourage you to get to know who else your sponsor sponsors, because um, it's really nice to have that built in community to just be able to check in. And one of my favorite things is like the accountability factor. Um, because I'm such a people pleaser, like because I'm able to recognize that in myself, when I text my sponsor kitchens closed or when i text you know a fellow and say you know the food is really noisy today and i just want to commit to eating x y and z for dinner and then that being it even though there's really no consequence like they would have no idea if i actually stuck to that commitment by saying it out loud something a flip is switched or a, a switch is flipped a, a switch is flipped and uh it really it makes a huge difference for me um and then I also will say as far as prayer and meditation goes, my relationship with my higher power has never been stronger. And I'm so grateful for that. And it's my God is like mysterious. And that's the thing too, for the newcomers, I really don't want you to be scared about the God word because I was pretty like, Ugh, when I heard God, when I came in, because like, I just had all these preconceived notions about religion. And I had my own baggage with, you know, being raised in the religion that my family grew up with. And the important thing is that it's a God of your understanding, right? So like my God shows up for me in the form of music, in the form of nature, for sure. I feel God when I'm like so strongly when I'm at the beach or when I'm in the forest or, you know, when I'm with animals, I really just, that's when I feel it the most. And um, I'll share last week, I got to see, <laughs> I got to see Christina Aguilera at the Hollywood Bowl performing with the Philharmonic uh, Orchestra. And when she sang the voice within, God, oh my God, it felt like I was just tears and tears. And I felt like I had like, just, I was getting the biggest hug from my higher power because it literally, the lyrics of that song talk about like the voice within and like, just, it's like your oldest friend, just trust the voice within. And it's just like, it was just such a beautiful moment. And I'm just so grateful that like, it doesn't have to be this like scary, like, you know, God, um, that, that, uh, that is like patronizing or that, um, that's punishing you know my my higher power doesn't judge me my higher power just wants to see me do my best and you can even tell like the change in my voice right like my higher power talks very quietly and very slowly my disease is loud and a billboard and a marquee sign with lights and like i want it now whereas god is really patient and slow and quiet and that's kind of how i can deter or determine um you know the difference when i get those little angel devil moments of like eat the cookie don't eat the cookie you know because as we know in this program there are certain foods for sure that are like red light foods that i just don't eat at all because it's i just know once i start i can't stop so like for example anything salty crunchy munchy so chips pretzels popcorn crackers that is just it's the motion of going in and out of the bowl and and like reaching the bottom of the bowl and being like oh my god what just happened you know and like not realizing you know how we got there and stuff that um i just don't even if i were to count out six pretzels or whatever the the serving size is it's never going to be enough so why torture myself you know i don't have to it's needless suffering there's never going to be a situation where i have to eat chips there's no other option and that's my you know that's my nourishment for the day I don't do that, you know, like I, I plan ahead. I, I do a, a lot of meal prepping. I do, like I said, I love to cook. Um, and I, I, I love having the meals ready to go to just like pop in the microwave or, or pop in the oven because then it takes out the emotional decision-making of, of what I'm gonna be doing with my food because after a long day, I like, I'm always just gonna want the most indulgent comforting thing ever. 
So, um, you know, there's a lot of tools and resources that I've learned in this program, right? Like there are, I've learned healthy coping mechanisms and by far the relationship with my higher power and the amends that I've both made and received. I've had I had a friend recently reach out to make amends to me after seven years of not speaking. And that was just like phew, amazing. Like felt like I manifested that. And like, it felt so good to have peace with that situation. Um, and it's just, it just feels good to be living in integrity. You know, like something that I, I've learned, um, you know, over the years is that like, this is how I learned to trust myself. You know, I'm building confidence because I'm actually, I'm saying I'm going to do something and I actually do it. You know, now that like when, when you start racking up continuous back-to-back -back days of abstinence, it's like all of a sudden you're at 30 days and it's like, oh my gosh, I'm at 30 days. Well, I can't like mess it up now. You know, like I, I, I want to keep going. And now I suddenly have th three years and it's just like such, such a gift. And I'm just so, so grateful. Um, I feel like there's so many other things that I wanted to talk about and that I just ran a marathon, um, but I'm so grateful. And the things that I am working on today, because I'm a work in progress, I do not have it all figured out by any means. So the things that I'm working on today um, is body image for sure. Um, as I as we're reintegrating into the world again um, and seeing people again, I'm very self-conscious about my body and how I've changed since the last time people have seen me which I'm sure no one's thinking about that, but like, it's, it's just something that's real for me right now. It's just my experience right now is that like, I am having a hard time dressing myself. I wish that we could just wear yoga pants all the time. You know, like, <laughs> I don't know like what, um, what fits me anymore. I have to like go through my closet and like, you know, see, um, you know, and, and that's something that was taught to me um, too, is to wear clothes that fit the body that you're in today. Um, and so if there's pants that are too tight, I'm going to toss them. There's no point in torturing myself with that. You know, um, I also am still asking for God's help on portion portion control for sure, because I am definitely still very much a compulsive overeater and I always want more. Um, the voice is just a little bit quieter now, you know, that I, that I've been absent and I don't listen. And I can't even tell you when you wake up the next morning and I am still abstinent, like after like the mental gymnastics about thinking about wanting to get something and then not, and you wake up and you're like, wow, I made it through the night, another day abstinent. Like it is just the best feeling ever. Um, and then lastly, um, just incorporating more, um, a variety of exercise into my daily life. Um, I've kind of gotten into my like routine of what I really like. And, and I know that, you know, there's definitely opportunity there for sure. Um, you know, to try different things and to get back into spin classes. I'm not a Peloton girl yet. I, <laughs> I don't I'm think of this room. Thank you so much. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll just end with, um, acceptance is the answer to all of my problems today. And I am just so incredibly grateful for this big, beautiful life that I've been given, um, as a result of me working this program and my higher power, just believing in me and you guys believing in me and oh, I have so much love in my heart for you all. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Keep coming back. Um, and thank you so much for letting me share.